fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final try to And welcome to the latest episode of the Fantasy Fullback Dive brought to you by the good people at the Rose Street Journal. We're in the weeds here, folks. This is episode two out of eight as we preview each division in the NFL. We hit the NFC West yesterday. We're hitting the NFC East today or the NFC least as those (laughs) in the know or even those that are just casual fans know at this point. I'm your host, Nat The Truth Jones. With me, as always, the Wolf of Rotor Street himself. Seeing a lot of you these days. Oh, yeah. I mean, three three shows yesterday uh, really burning the midnight oil. Only one live one scheduled for today, but a few pods we're going to be dropping throughout the week. I love it now. I got two more weeks till, till, till back to school time, so I'm just squeezing out as much as I can before I have to go back. And I love this. We got some good positive feedback so far on the, the first episode, and I think they're only going to get better as we get more comfortable and used to doing these. So I love it. I love that you guys are enjoying this. Of course, keep sharing your feedback of what we can do better. But yeah, I, I'm loving this stuff. This is really cool to have these projections to dig into this year. Right. As the Wolf alluded to, and as we mentioned yesterday, and I'll, I'll just probably mention this briefly at the end uh, beginning of all these shows, we're doing a, a little different this year. The Wolf always has his big board, which is a, a well-respected tool on the internet, I would say, and among oh, yeah. fantasy football lovers. Uh, but we're also he's also using a projection tool where he's actually taken a long, long time and entered in actual projected stats to all these guys. And so he ends up kind of with two big boards. Of course, the one on the Road Street Journal website, that's the one. That's the wolf's gut. That's the Bible. So we're going by. But, you know, if you look at this one and we're going to dive into this one a little bit, sometimes we see conflicts between yeah. the numbers, the logic and just what the wolf's gut is telling him. And if it's too significant of a divergence. I'm going to say something to him about it. We're going to have him defend himself I think right he here on the air. Yeah, I think that's great. And, and that's why I love this exercise is I should know who am I in my head projecting for a lot more than my heart might tell me uh, and see why is that discrepancy there? Can I justify it or do I need to revisit the ranks? So that's been a really useful exercise for me. The other thing I really like about this too, Nat, is I get so many messages. When are you going to release a PPR board? When are you going to do standard right. leagues? And Sure, I could do all those different rankings, but what's nice about the projections is you can now filter it and yeah. say, this guy's going to score this many standard points and it generates a new list. This guy's going to score, you know, half PPR. And it, it just gives that kind of, it, it accompanies all, accommodates rather, all yeah. types of scoring formats. Is kind of Yeah, it, it does change some things. You know, there haven't been any massive, massive changes as I've looked at the projection. But yeah, people go up and down the board three, four spots sometimes if you change the format. Um, real quick, before we get into it, you want to just uh, real quick uh, plug the upcoming investors guide that yeah. I've been hearing so much about? Absolutely. So alongside these projections, which, again, you can see live here, but if you want to actually be able to download them, manipulate them, put them into different scoring formats, we're going to be releasing those two together. Ideally, at the beginning of next week is what the aim is so far. The investing guide is going to go round by round, tell you the picks that I really like, the guys I'm kind of fading. So a little bit of an upgraded version of just the bargains and the penny stocks and the overprices, really digging into like where they fall within each round. So you have a game plan uh, for everything in your draft. So that should be out early next week, ideally by Monday. I have a bachelor party this weekend, so maybe even by Friday so I can get it done before that. Uh, it sh- it's going to be a great resource, though. One of the only things we've ever put as a premium thing 
20 bucks for both of them. If you only want the investing guide, I'm sure we could do like 10 bucks for the guide, 20 for the package, something of that nature. We, we're still working out the logistics here. Uh, but if you've ever, if we've, you know, helped you guys out here, that's the goal is to maybe support us a little bit as the goal is to really get our stock profiles up. That's we're trying to capitalize. Right? Yeah, this no, is actually going to help you guys. This is going to exactly. be awesome. It's going to be really cool if we can make it work. So, uh, you know, kick a little something our way if you want the guide. Uh, it's good stuff. I promise. Anyway, uh, we're going to get right into this, folks. I mean, Wolf, by the way, your life appears to be like 90% bachelor parties and fantasy football. This summer? Yeah, what's the other 10% hanging out with your girlfriend? (laughs) Yeah, teaching when I'm in the classroom and then like walking with the girlfriend. Those kids are getting a good 10% of you. Yeah, Anyway, All right, we're going to get right into it. We're going to start with Dallas. We're going alphabetical just to be boring. We're going to start with Dak Prescott. This is a guy I owned last year, and he was doing great for me for a little while. Uh, yeah, the, <laughs> the Wolves projected numbers. He's got him going 437 of 670. That's a 65% clip going over 5,000 yards, just barely on the season. Only one of two guys the Wolf has doing that. 36 touchdowns, 13 interceptions to go along with a little over 200 rush yards and three touchdowns. That is good enough for eighth on his projected numbers on the projected site. But the Wolf actually has him ranked fifth on the big board. Not a huge discrepancy, but it's a discrepancy. Yeah, it is. And I guess that goes to highlight. I think a lot of these projected quarterbacks that rise up the ranks are the Konami quarterbacks. And it's kind of tough to realize how big of an edge they have until you actually do the numbers. Then you are, oh, my God, even though I have this guy passing for a thousand yards less than Dak, he still is rushing for 700. And that's significantly more value uh, valuable than the thousand the there. But, yeah, I think Dak, you know, we saw last year. Over a 17-game pace from his early season schedule, he would have been on pace to throw for 6,000 yards. So, like five. Oh, I remember. I was riding high on the hog for a while. Dude, he was killing it. My goodness. And I don't really see much of a reason for any change other than if the shoulder thing continues to linger. He had to get two MRIs, and I don't think you get those for fun. It's not like, oh, I let me go get a second MRI just to have a, a good time here today. So that does suggest there's a little bit more concern behind the scenes than they may have let on. I'm very intrigued to see what we learned tonight on Hard Knocks tonight. Uh, but overall, you know, I projected this team as a whole in terms of looking at the offensive pies for the most uh, plays run in the entire league. I think the Cowboys, they move with pace, they move with purpose, and they like to pass it. And McCarthy's come out and said we want to continue to do those things this year. So that's why I have Dak thrown for a top three in terms of pass attempts, top three in terms of pass yardage, and right there with the passing touchdowns, given that trio of weapons he's throwing to, I don't see how he fails. You know, it's funny because my gut is that you're too high on him, but it's really hard to argue with uh, that analysis. <laughs> it's yeah. pretty sound. So maybe I just think he's going to get injured again. I don't know. I mean, yeah, they were averaging like, I think, 35 points per game before Dak got hurt. They needed to because the defense was so bad. Uh, they weren't even really winning games while they were putting up those ridiculous numbers. But no, they weren't. They were like two and four or so one and four or something. But he was, was carrying my team. He was giving me 40, 45 points a game. Uh, 500 you know, passing yards a week. We've never seen anything quite on that level. And I don't think we see that continue throughout the year when they're going to try to probably protect this guy, their huge franchise investment. I think we see, as you can see here, I bumped him down rushing wise to only 216 yards and three TDs. He's more athletic than those numbers suggest. He could rush for more, but I think they're going to tell him, don't take any more hits. Like, we need you. You're our franchise here. And I expect him to, to not shoulder as much of that rushing burden as we've seen that raise a bit of his ceiling the last couple of years. I think they dial that back a little bit this year. All right. Before we move on to running back, can you name, uh, say, two of the guys that played quarterback after Dak last season for the Cowboys? Oh, there was Garrett Gilbert. 
was one of them. Uh, ben DiNucci was yeah, another guy from JMU, Obviously right? Andy Dalton too, but I'm oh, going right. deeper than That's that. That's cheating. I wasn't even looking for the rocket. All right. Exactly. All right, let's move on to running back. Zeke Elliott, 292 for 13, 14, and 12 touchdowns. And this is a guy actually whose numbers you boosted a tiny bit uh, in the last few days, making me do a little bit of extra legwork. <laughs> 50 catches, 370 yards, and a couple touchdowns. I mean, this is a very, very, very solid stat line you've got Zeke putting up. Uh, that's good enough, interestingly enough, to be your ninth-ranked running back on your projection list, but you got him four on the big board. Yeah, I think that kind of suggests – one, how high the floor is. Like, I, I think what I've projected here, he's got a really good shot of hitting. Uh, and there might not be too much more of a ceiling with some of these other guys, the Kamara's racking up 80 catches or, the, you know, the, the Austin Eckler's even in PPR leagues a little bit higher than Zeke when he catches 90 balls. But in general, in terms of just sheer sturdiness, I love Zeke. And the reason I bumped him up even a little bit more was after hard knocks, you could just see this guy had a little bit of extra wiggle, a little bit of extra burst running behind him. And you know, of course, you don't want to overreact to what you see in hard knocks. But with Zeke, that's sure, a yeah. guy that you can tell by his tummy. You know, some days he's got a little bit of fat on him. This year, it is ripped with that midriff. He is flying over the place. They were throwing him like back shoulder fades. I loved everything I saw in hard knocks, so I don't want to overreact to that. But when this guy is flying around as already one of the most bruising, dangerous backs in the league, I gave him a little bit of bump up in yards per carry. I, I gave him a little bit of yard a bump up in yards in general and just overall usage. Because as much as we want, you know, as much as the fancy owners like Tony Pollard and think he deserves a bigger role, I, Zeke is just on a man on a mission this year. He is fired up, and I think he's going to kill it. Are you able to look back, you know, look past so easily? I mean, he he was awful last year, man. Like he was a he was a team killer, legit. Yeah. Like he was like, are we even going to start this guy? Well, yes, because a couple reasons. Nat one, he was RB three in the games that Dak was healthy, so he was a oh, yeah, I remember you know, bonafide RB one, uh, top three even. Which I think those levels are, are completely repeatable. But now you get a guy that was doing those numbers within that system. And he's in an even better shape, like he's even faster, even stronger, even healthier right now than he was last year while putting up those numbers. Yeah, I think we haven't even seen the floor, uh, you know, the ceiling for Zeke. This could be his best career season yet. Uh, so I'm, I'm willing to forgive him for the, all the faults. It's, this is, of course, assuming Dak is staying healthy for the year. Uh, he also is getting two linemen back two monsters along the line that weren't there last year. So I think both of those things combined to have me very confident, despite Zeke's struggles last year, I'm ready to go right back to the well. I mean, are you worried at all about fumbles? This actually just showed up in the comments section, and I was going to ask anyway, but John Hassan beat me to it. Yeah, I, last year I think was pretty uncharacteristic. I know he had a few last year, but that's not in line with his career detail. I know in college he was lauded for his ball security. So I don't know what was going on last year, if it was a new style he was testing out. I imagine, and, and you see in Hard Knocks, true, the way they're working on it, like he is – they're forcing him to hold it. They're walking by him and like beating him with the sticks to try to get it out. You know, <laughs> I, I, I'm not worried about it. It hasn't really been a career issue. It was more of a last year, and I think that's going to be an outlier in my opinion. All right, well, let's move on to receivers. We went a little long on that, but I will just say uh, as a drive-by passing shot, I think Tony Pollard is a good pick. I mean, he's a really good running back, I think, and – there's a Zeke injury or something like that. He could all of a sudden become super, super valuable. So oh, he put up 30 points in his only start last year. I mean, he right. was a monster. I really think Tony Pollard has a ton of talent. So if something ever happens to Zeke, yeah, I'm with you. He'd be a league winner. Still worth an investment. But to me, if Zeke's healthy, this is the Zeke show. There's no standalone. It's not like a handcuff with benefits. It's a strictly no. handcuff, even if he's the most upside of them. 
Agree. All right, wide receivers. We got C.D. Lamb, who you got going for a 101 for 1,293 yards and 10 scores. That is a sweet stat line. And oh, yeah. alongside him, you got Amari Cooper, 96 for 1,208 touchdowns. That's good enough for C.D. Lamb you got projection-wise as your wide receiver nine. Uh, mm. Cooper is your wide receiver 17. Uh, you know, both those uh, – or C.D.'s drops a little bit on the big board, wide receiver 12, and Cooper, wide receiver 15. So, I mean, you do have C.D. Lamb with higher numbers, which I just want to say I agree with you. I think that ranking him over Cooper is the reasonable thing to do and ultimately is going to be the right thing to do. I think you might be a little bit too high on both of them, um, but you do have them pretty close to each other. If this aerial pie is anything like we saw last year, Nat, I, you know, this might end up being too low. It is risky I, to have. I know. You like the Cowboys more than I do. I really do. I just can't get out of my head how great they looked last year. And I don't see any reason, you know, when Choa came on our pod, you can listen to a guy's Cowboys yeah, preview. Yeah. He did mention the defense is looking better, that they put all their draft into injecting talent. But adding a ton of rookies doesn't guarantee this defense is suddenly going to get good. So <laughs> I think they're, they're still going to suck. I, I didn't say that to Choa live because, you know, he's, he's a guest. Like, yeah, you're wrong. They're going to suck. I don't think this defense really got all that much better. Maybe a, a you know, they have that rookie linebacker that's looking great. But still, it's one or two guys isn't going to flip this thing. So I still think Dak, this aerial pie, again, 5,000 or so yards, 37 touchdowns is there to be distributed. I easily think you know two wide receiver ones at minimum, two top 24 wide receivers can be sustained here. As you said, I got you know C.D. Lamb for a little bit more of the target share, 22% compared to 21% for Cooper. That would be a big flip because last year Cooper with Dak had 49 targets in his game compared to 28 for C.D. Lamb. But I am projecting that big flip. C.D. was in the slot for 80% of his snaps last year. In fact, they were even taking him out in two wide receiver sets. So he only played, I think, a total of like 70 or so percent of the snaps. I talked to a show. He's like, they would be morons given how C.D. Lamb is performing in camp so far to ever take this guy off the field. He will 100% be out there in two wide receiver sets. He'll move into the slot, but he'll also move all over the place. And that's also why I have Michael Gallup. I bumped him up a little bit since we last right. talked because they're talking about moving him to the slot more and just kind of using these wide receivers interchangeably, which maybe does take these other guys, Cooper and Lamb, down a little bit more than I have already because I think Gallup's really good. Ochoa said this is a guy that has the best chemistry on the team with Dak. Uh, so maybe I, I have to knock the other guys just a little bit if Gallup is going to take some of those higher percentage slot snaps. But either way, Lamb's not leaving the field. I think he's going to leave the team in targets, receiving, receiving touchdowns. He's just a stud, and he's going to be at next level this year. I cannot wait to see what he does. Yeah, you got Gallup right around wide receiver 50 on both of your lists. Uh, so, you know, could be a factor, maybe, maybe not. We'll see. I do think these guys are legit weapons. Uh, possibly it's just Cowboys prejudice in general that is causing me to be a little more down on them than you are. We'll see what happens. Uh, we're going to take like maybe 30 seconds and talk tight end here. Blake Jarwin, you got him as your tight end 26 by projections, 21 on the big board. Obviously, you know, this is not even someone you're really considering a uh, starter. You got him for like 35 catches for like 400 yards and five touchdowns. Yeah, it's one of those things where Dalton Schultz showed so well last year, and they've already talked about how they're both kind of rotating in with the first team. Now, if one of them clearly separates or Dalton Schultz recently got hurt, if that lingers and he allows Blake Jarwin to become that true tight end one, now I'm going to be interested. In fact, the Cowboys had a top 10 tight end in points per game in back-to-back seasons. So there could be value. There should be value in such a big aerial pie. But the way I'm projecting it right now, at least, is that those guys are just nibbling each other's cheese and we have no idea which one's actually the most valuable from a week-to-week basis. 
All right, I think that's fair. Let's move along to the Eagles. And I didn't let you start out with changes to the team and, uh, you know, system and all that. With Dallas, I meant to. So why don't you lead off with that, and then I'll get into your projections. Uh, Absolutely, your yep. Yeah, they're loading up right here with Philadelphia. Uh, but obviously one of the biggest changes is at head coach and at quarterback, the two biggest places you can have changes. Jalen Hurts getting the nod. There was some questions whether he would be the guy or not, and there still are some questions about whether or not they'll trade for Deshaun Watson, which was, of course, could send these projections completely out the window, and I had to get there and reevaluate. No. But they also, you know, they have a, a new head coach coming in there, Sirianni. We'll see what he does. He comes from the Colts system, so a lot of committee backs, a lot of, you know, short passing games to kind of get the ball into his receivers, let them do their thing, a lot of West Coast in that style. So I have him projected, you know, right around here to be a pretty balanced offense. 47% rush, 53% pass. And really, I think they'd want it to be even closer to 50-50, but I think the Eagles are going to suck and have to throw a little bit more than they really want to. Either way, I think that's about what I expect this balance to be um, and the overall pies of it, yes. All right, fair enough. We're going to start now. I just want to say I did a little bit of homework uh, a few days ago, got on top of the stats, so I had stuff to read off on these. Went through just to sure everything up today, and the Wolf had done a few changes, which I should have realized he does. I mean, the guy updates the big board as new information comes in. We got preseason football going on all the time, so live and learn. But the Eagles were a team that was one of the teams that saw more changes than others, I got to say. And Jalen Hurts, you got him down for 351 for 539, a little over 4,000 yards, 29 touchdowns, 16 picks. 120 rushes for 600 yards and eight touchdowns on the ground. That's a big deal. That's enough uh, for you to put him on your quarterback nine on your projection list, 12 on the big board. I mean, I see why he's an intriguing and sexy pick, obviously. You're obviously counting on him using his legs like a lot. I mean, you know, 600 yards, eight touchdowns. That's a lot of points uh, to add on to a, a decent quarterbacking with your arm season. His receivers are pretty bad. Like, yeah really bad right like I'm, I'm enjoying going through these nfc teams and deciding what teams i think actually have the worst receivers right now it's kind of like the eagles maybe the giants maybe the lions mm. does that sound about right the, the, the lions i think take the cake uh because i do think devonta smith could end up being a player for the eagles whereas i don't know who the lions might have uh but yeah, that, yeah. that's kind of why the low passing totals in fact i've even bumped them down since the last time you saw it to around 3,800, 29 TDs, 16%. Uh, Because I I had him at like about 60% completion percentage. And then the other night, we see him go three for seven. Last year, it was 52%. And I guess just for everybody to know, you know, what goes into these these projections, I look at last year's stats. I look at play caller tendencies. You know, Pro Football Reference is a great resource. But also, you know, down here at Rotoviz, I'm not going to do this for every team, but they have an awesome research tool where I can look at like the team level so what t- was the you know Nick Sirianni's history versus Philadelphia's history the last few years? And I can go to quarterback one and what's you know Jalen Hurts' history been when he started and things of that nature. So there's a lot that goes into these for sure. These aren't just like willy-nilly, I'm ripping them out of my head just to make sure that's clear to everybody. Uh, there's, there's a lot of background and, and foundational research that comes in, yes. I feel like it's really, really uncertain. I mean, you said this in the, you know, in the preamble to this. You know, you add Deshaun Watson and Hertz goes to the Texans or whatever. I mean, his value goes in the toilet, right? Yeah, he'll still have that rushing upside. So he'll always have that little Konami upside that we had Scott Barrett on a few weeks ago. He called him the league winning quarterback. He's targeting, assuming wow. he's still starting. He really likes him for the, the upside. And you I, you saw why 
last year in his three starts, he was the quarterback three uh, over those last couple of weeks. He really did flash some upside. He had a big game as a passer, a couple big games on the ground as well. So there is a lot of upside with Jalen Hurts here. I would just caution the fact that there's also a pretty low floor. Like the team is not fully committed to this guy. He was only a second round pick. They have tons of ammunition in next year's draft to either move up and get their guy to then trade for Watson. So I don't think he's going to have the longest leash. If the, that accuracy concerns continue to carry through, I wouldn't be shocked to see him get pulled for, I mean, Joe Flacco's the backup. So that'd be pretty wow. gross, but you know, there that could happen wow. on a game to game basis. If he's really struggling, they might turn the, the ball over to, to Flacco. So I think there's a lower floor, despite there also being a, a genuine league winning ceiling here with Jalen Hurts. All right. Well, you told me something uh, that was news, which is that Joe Flacco is still in the NFL, which yeah. I did not know. So thank you for that. All right. We're going to move on running back Miles Sanders. This guy's also seen a little bit of movement on your boards. I hope my stats are still right, or at least ballpark. If they're not, feel free to correct me, but you got him uh, 206 carries for a little over a thousand yards, six touchdowns. Yep. 25, 25 catches, 245 for a touchdown. So, uh, you know, and pretty good, okay stat line. It's good enough for your RB25. Uh, and you've also got Boston Scott, like, a little bit in the mix. You know, he's, like, getting maybe, like, half the carries, something like that, and you got him around your RB50. I mean, this seems like a backfield that I don't want to get too mixed up in. Honestly, there's not much on this team I want to get too mixed up in. There really isn't a whole ton. <laughs> I mean, I'll bring it over here and you can just see the rushing distribution and the target distribution. I think this offense is kind of going to be all over the place. That's partly because of Nick Sirianni as the coach. That's his style, but also because the weapons are just kind of all over the place too. So I right now have have Miles Sanders projected for about 43% of the rushing workload, 22% going to Boston Scott and 10% going to Howard. They've already said they want to use three backs, keep that a committee. Um, and, and so far in camp, it's been about 45-55 between Sanders and Boston Scott in terms of who's in there, who's getting the work, Scott getting more of the receiving work. So that's why I have Scott seeing about 8% of the targets to 7% for Sanders um, and out producing him as a receiver right now. Uh, yeah. even, even if Miles Sanders, I do think, is a talent that deserves a much better workload I don't expect it to happen, and he's significantly lower in my ECR than he is compared to the rest of the expert consensus, yeah. All right, well, let's move on to a a pretty lousy bunch of receivers here, and I have written in big letters, I know I already said something like this, I just have written next to my stat line, if the Lions don't have the worst wide receivers in the NFL, the Eagles just might. Now, I say that not having uh, dove deeply into the AFC yet, so maybe my mind will change, but that's where I'm at right now. Devontae Smith, this is the guy that you think could do something, the leader of the pack right now, 62 catches, 874, seven touchdowns. That's not much. Um, and then you got Jalen Rager, a guy that I uh, you know, got off waivers last year, was pretty excited about. Actually had a little bit of pop, uh, decent talent guy, but 38, 500 yards, four touchdowns. Devontae Smith, you got 38 on your projection board, 34 on the big board. Rager. 84 on the projection board, 83 on the big board. Not much love for these guys. No, I mean, I I am high on Devonta Smith as a player. I think he could develop into something pretty big. Uh, If anybody in this core is going to just like emerge as a target monster, it'd be him. Now he is smaller, but he plays much bigger than his size. He runs the entire route tree so well. He works the outdoor boundary outside the lines, but also inside too. He could do it all. So if there's one person I projected a little too low here, it'd probably be him. But ultimately, he's already dealing with injury. He hasn't had that time to really 
forged the camp report. He has played with Hurts in his past, so they have that going for him. They said they're so confident in him that they can take him along slowly, given how pro-ready he is. So I do like Devonta's ceiling. This is just kind of how it came out. Again, the, the receiving target workload is all over the place for this team. 19% for him isn't that big of a target share for your ace number one, but that's because their tight ends get so much work. 16% for Goddard is what I projected, 13% for Ertz, and then like 13 and 12 for Fulgham and, and Rager. The guy I'm really intrigued by is actually the number four here is, is Quez Watkins behind, of course, Devontae, but as like a last round dart throw, this guy scored a nice 70-yard touchdown in the preseason. He could have had two of them if Jalen Hurts didn't overthrow him on uh, on one in the first series and they're saying he's pushing Rager for a, a starting spot I've been watching joint practices with him in the, the Pats versus them he's dusting JC Jackson our top corner like this guy could be a real player every single day there's another report about how dominant he's being so I really want to just emphasize even if the stats don't look huge on these projections only what 363 and three he could really blow those out of the water if he gets consistent playing time definitely a guy I'm tracking all right Fair enough. Uh, I did not track him at all, but that makes a lot of sense. I mean, if you got a lousy, say, number two guy uh, in the scheme of things in the NFL, you're certainly going to be looking at your three and your four. So uh, let's talk tight ends real quick. Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz, who you mentioned before, you got Goddard at 55, 764, and six touchdowns, and Ertz 45, 495, and four touchdowns. So 100 catches between them, 10 touchdowns between them. You got Goddard as your tight end 14. Ertz is your tight end 23 on projection board. That translates or changes to uh, on the big board, tight end 13 for Goddard, tight end 29 for Ertz. I look forward to certain things anytime I'm in a draft. And one of the things I'm going to be looking forward to this year is somebody uh, taking Ertz. Yeah, <laughs> just running in quicksand. The guy is done. He's toast. He shouldn't be an issue for Goddard. But he is like he the first the first preseason game. Ertz saw three targets to one for Goddard. He's just going to constantly be there and run through his fucking sludge and be a disgusting loser. And, and it sucks because Goddard, I do think, has some real talent. But if, if it's constantly again, I keep calling it nibbling each other's cheese. Like if they're just yeah. eating at each other's, nipping at each other's heels. There's I don't I don't ever want that for my tight end. I don't have to do that because there's plenty of tight ends that have that secure number one. And Goddard goes around another tight end. We're going to talk a little bit like Logan Thomas. I love Logan Thomas. He's the top of the depth chart and nobody's coming near him. Whereas Goddard, I think, is the most overvalued right now. And I guess it's even more pronounced uh, in the way I projected him in like the 20 range versus I have him 13 because I believe in the talent and I know how often they target tight end. And I'm just sneaky holding out hopes they trade Ertz away because that was the rumors all offseason. It hasn't happened yet. And if it doesn't happen, which it's looking like it won't, Goddard is significantly overvalued in fantasy football right now. Uh, yeah, I agree with you completely. All right, we're going to move on to the Giants, which is another team that looks pretty oh, terrible to me. Um, there is very we, we don't tell me about the Giants real quick, and then we'll dive into some players that we really don't need to talk about too much. Yeah, they come from Joe, you know, Joe Judge, which is control the, the clock, bleed clock, so not a ton of plays being run. In fact, I haven't projected for 57 below league average uh, in my projections right now towards the bottom of the list in total plays, which just means – less offense for people to eat on. And Joe Judge also is big into being unpredictable and spreading the wealth. 
we don't know exactly what that will mean for Saquon because he got hurt in week one last year. We never saw how he would be used under judge. Uh, But ultimately it's just one of those offenses. That's going to be gross. As long as Daniel Jones is the quarterback and judges there with Jason Garrett as their offensive coordinator, like somehow they brought this guy back despite ranking 30th or below in all offensive categories last year. He's a loser. He's a horrible play caller. And I just, there's very, very little Outside of Saquon Barkley, maybe there's nobody I am looking for on this team right now. So with that said, let's dive into the Giants. Man. Yes. <laughs> can't wait. Um, real quick, we, again, I, I can't – we don't even need to talk about this guy too much. But Daniel Jones at quarterback, 345 for 532 is your projection, a little over 3,800 yards, 23 TDs, 14 picks. Uh, that's good enough for your QB 28 slash 27 on your two lists. Obviously not someone who's a viable – starter in any sense i mean if you're in a maybe in a 20 team league maybe you get him as your <laughs> as like a i don't know i don't even know what you would call it i mean i like galladay as a wide receiver i really do just in general of course barkley is a monster at running back if healthy but i cannot tell you how little i would want to be in the daniel jones business right and and, and that kind of suggests the whole offense you're like yeah i like barkley and galladay as players but when you're attached to a quarterback like this, who I think is is a bum, like there's no way to put it around it. I don't think there's hope for Daniel Jones. Maybe I'm wrong. His rookie year as a preseason, he was looking nice and sharp. We haven't seen that since there, and I don't think Jason Garrett's going to do him any favors. There is the little bit of rushing upside. I have him for 64 rushes, 352 yeah. and one TD, assuming he doesn't trip over himself in the middle of the field with no one near him like last year. It, it, I just, yeah, there's no real upside to him. There's so many guys I'd rather target. Uh, in his draft range that I, I'm not bothering with the Daniel Jones experience at all this year. Yeah. I think we've given him around enough airtime. All right. Yeah. Let's move to Saquon Barkley. This is a guy who, man, he was the toast of the town a year ago. I don't know. Was it two years ago, a year ago? I know he got hurt really early last year. So yeah, as a rookie was his best year. Remember we, we were predicting that one big time. We had him at like RB four on the yeah. big board, fourth overall people. He's a rookie. He's done nothing. Ended up having 2,200 yards, 90 catches, he's, and like 10 TDs. He's a monster. <laughs> he's a great. He's a great running back. Unbelievable. He really is. But I mean, maybe, you know, I, you know, yeah, I'm with it, you. Maybe besides Christian McCaffrey, the best like all around threat at the position. Yeah, he's he's great. I mean, I've never believed in the team he's been on, and they might seem worse than usual this year, which is really saying something. But anyway, right. the stat line that you got, you got 256 for uh, 1,126 yards, nine touchdowns. 68 catches for around 503 touchdowns. That's good enough to be your RB11 on your projection board, RB10 on the big board. Man, that that's so much a com. I mean, I guess that's a commentary a little bit on maybe getting injured and a lot on being on just an absolutely garbage team. Yeah, I think it's both of those things that factor in with Saquon. Horrible line, horrible Daniel Jones. Like, there's not much more to it than that. I think they're completely hamstringing, as well as horrible Jason Garrett. Like, uh, the triumvirate of shit here. It sucks that he is such a great talent strapped to this awful situation. Now, if anybody can supersede these types of situations, it's a guy like Saquon, who, as we were saying, I, I do truly believe beyond Christian McCaffrey is the best dual threat back in the game. If anyone was ever going to threaten Christian McCaffrey's status as number one running back, should they play all 16? I think it would be Saquon Barkley in the right offense. That's not Jason Garrett. That's not alongside Daniel Jones. It's too bad. I, I hope someday we either, whether the Giants get a better quarterback and play caller or Saquon goes to a new team, I'd love to see what this guy could do without these shackles on him. But until they're gone, I just think his ceiling is ultimately capped. 
even though it should be limitless, it's capped because of everything around him. All right, let's talk about another guy who I think is a, a good baller, Kenny Galladay, uh, 68 catches, almost 1,000 yards, seven touchdowns. I mean, he really goes up and gets balls. I remember watching him with oh, yeah. Lions last year. And I mean, he really would go up in traffic and come down with some that you would not expect a guy to come down with. Uh, Sterling Shepard, the number two option, you've got him right around your wide receiver, 70 on both lists, 60 catches, 630 yards, three touchdowns. <sighs> Hard to get too excited about these guys. You got Galladay as your 33 on uh, your projection board, 30 on the big board. Yeah, I think I might, if anything, be underselling Shepard a little bit. There's just no upside to him, in my opinion. But he has very steadily, like if you're in a PPR league and you just want a high floor, he's, I, I believe it's something like he has never seen less than five targets in a game when he's active the whole time. He's had like four catches in all of them, but one. So like there's a, there's a floor there. But I think that's all you're getting, especially with Galladay now arriving. Certainly going to be the the biggest red zone tech there. Certainly going to be the biggest deep threat there. Uh, if anyone's going to emerge, you know, the one thing Jason Garrett did well as a play caller was pepper his number ones, whether it was Des Bryant, whether it was Miles Austin, Terrell Owens going back. They had some monster wide receiver ones. But to me, I think that was a lot more about Tony Romo and less about Jason Garrett. And when you don't have that quarterback that can then deliver the mail quite as well, that's going to hurt. Daniel Jones did throw, I think it was like a top 15 deep ball according to PFF, but I don't know. You just watch the guy and I, I'm not sure I buy into any of those analytics. So yeah, I, I don't mind Galladay, especially since he got hurt. His draft price is going down to like six, even sometimes early seven. There's some real upside there given that peppering of the wide receiver one I was mentioning, but overall I, I it's kind of the same point with Saquon, same point with everyone here until there's a better play caller and quarterback in place it's really hard for me to get excited about any of these guys. Saquon's really just a bet on volume. I don't know that Galladay, surrounded by some pretty good receivers around him, will see enough targets to really be fully viable. Um, last real quick point, though, in the backfield, I did want to mention Devontae Booker played all the first-team snaps uh, in the, the first preseason game. There's nobody really behind him if and when, you know, if Saquon is to get hurt. And we've seen that be a, a commonplace thing here. Booker seems like he would step right in and be like an 80% snap player. So ultimately, he's worth a late-round stab, especially if you own a Barkley as a handcuff. But even if not, this guy could come into some viable uh, stats, especially if they're bringing Saquon down, down a little slow to begin the year. All right, cool. I also just want to say, anybody watching, uh, we've seen I see a few comments showing up about the Giants and some other uh, decent questions. Uh, once we do the next team, Washington, we'll dive into any comments you guys got. Probably be yeah. 10, 12 minutes before we get into that. So thanks for watching. Thanks for commenting. We're not, we're not ignoring you, I promise. Okay. All right. Um, let's do tight ends real quick for the Giants. Uh, Evan Ingram, 55 catches, 605, three touchdowns. Remember when there was all this promise in Evan Ingram's, uh, <laughs> you know, in his yeah. career? And then Eli Manning and Daniel Jones came along. And now, man, it's just like, uh, I don't know. And you, you ended up ranking him tight end 21 on your projections. Yeah. And uh, it's tough because there is so much athleticism and ability here. I want to believe in him. And Jason Garrett has peppered his tight ends. In fact, Ingram led the team in targets last year. And so I should be higher on him, but he's always getting hurt. And again, the quarterback situation isn't great. And even though he led the team in targets last year, he didn't do jack shit with them. So he's just, I, I kind of project him in a way that says, I don't want this guy. He might beat these projections by a little bit, but even so, uh, as, as tantalizing as he can be with that athleticism he has, 
too many drops, too many injuries, too much of a headache. Then they bring in Kyle Rudolph to compete with him and a good red zone threat in his own right, Kyle Rudolph. Another situation of tight ends potentially nibbling at each other and just ruining the other one's value. That's happening a lot in this division, unfortunately. Uh, but that, that seems to be the case for these guys. All right. Last but not least, not least in this division anyway, uh, we're going to move on to the Washington football team and tell me a little bit about them. There's a, you know, a little bit of buzz about Washington this year, huh? As there should be. I actually love the Washington football team as this is loading. I'm glad we get to end with them instead of on such a negative with this Philly and, and Giants offenses. It's, it's a funny division in that sense where I think the Cowboys will be rocket ships. And I think Washington really has the firepower to match them uh, in these games. Now, I'm projecting about 630 pass attempts, 424 rush attempts, about 27 more plays above league average. That's because Scott Turner last year played at an eighth fastest pace. Uh, he threw the ball top 10 rate as well. And that was with a conservative Alex Smith uh, just ch- dinking and dunking down the field. I think you mix in a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick and we might see even more fireworks for sure. So I'm expecting a lot of plays run. I'm expecting a lot of passes. And I think there's just going to be, uh, I think it's going to be a healthy pie and a lot of good fantasy players coming out of this team. What's a good healthy pie. What's something that's in a healthy pie. Like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> like I'm trying to think of a healthy ingredient. Like a shepherd's pie, a meaty pie. Okay, this is going to be a shepherd's pie. You're, <laughs> you're getting your beef. Like you're you're filling up and you're sustained with this offense. Yeah. All right. Got you. All right. So Ryan Fitzpatrick, <laughs> the, you know, I think he's on his ninth team. Uh, and he's just kind <laughs> of all per- – perennially fun to root for i guess uh, yes. but he does just kill you a couple times a year <laughs> yep <laughs> um, 421 for 617 uh 4600 yards about 33 touchdowns 15 picks that sounds reasonable to me that's good enough for your qb 14 on the projection board 16 on big board you know the, the guy could be a great late quarterback grab and that could maybe like help you win a league I really think he could. I mean, he was top 12 with Miami in 75% of his starts across the last two years, and that was in a run-heavy team with bad weaponry. Devontae Parker was his number one across the last couple of years. They played at the 22nd pace. So now you can do a faster-paced offense with more pass attempts going around and far better weaponry. To me, I, I've been preaching Brian Fitzpatrick all offseason. He is the quarterback value that I need to get, especially if – uh, obviously, as I said yesterday's show, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, the two guys, I'm like, I need to get those guys. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is the perfect bridge. You can then get like two rounds after them and wait it out. He's going to give you plenty of, uh, obviously, as you mentioned, there's those games where he'll throw three interceptions, ruin you, ruin his team's chances, and then be at risk of getting benched. That definitely exists with Ryan Fitzpatrick, but he has, I feel like he's playing his best ball as he gets later in his career. He had that one year with the Jets when he had Decker and, and Brandon Marshall, and they were monsters with him. Uh, and even still, I'm projecting him for better stats than he had in that season. I can't wait to see what he does this year. Yeah, uh, he's fun to root for, and I'm definitely oh, yeah. going to have my eye on him too. And I kind of hope he goes somewhere else next year just so he can have played for 10 teams. <laughs> that, that would be lovely. And the, as you say, not only is he fun to root for, Nat, but if you beat your opponent with Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback, the memes and the pictures yeah. you can send him of the beard, of him smiling. Like there's just so much joy he can bring you and also insult he can bring to your opponents, which I love. Yeah, I love all that stuff too. All right, let's get into running back Antonio Gibson. This is a guy, I know he's a sexy pick, 
But yeah. I've I've come around to him. I'm really into this guy. Ooh, I thought you were gonna say you were off of him. Yeah, no. I was ready to slap you no, around. No, I'm not. I actually think you're <laughs> I think you're too low on him, actually. Uh, you got him at 242 for a little over eleven hundred yards, 13 touchdowns, 55 catches, 385, and a touchdown. I mean, so that that's good enough. That's only good enough for your RB 13 on your projected boards and RB nine on the big board. I mean, I like him more than some guys you've got above him on the big board. I'm going to be honest. I, I like him more than Swift. I like him more than Harris. Um, and if you catch me on the right day, I like him more, uh, more than Zeke. So we'll see. Yeah. And so, and those are in the projections. I definitely have Swift ranked a little bit lower than him. Cause I think Swift's floor is, is really low. Whereas Gibson's got a nice sturdy floor and a ceiling that could be league winning. Um, Swift is also on the PPR. I think he's projected for like 80 catches. I think he's going to see we'll, we'll get to the lines uh, later on in this week. Sure, sure, uh, sure. So that's, I think in the PPR rankings, he might leap him. But overall, I don't have him in my mind and really in my heart uh, over Swift. By you know, Gibson's well above him in the way I look at him by a, by a good round or even two rounds. And I right, love- on the big board, yeah. half point PPR, you've got uh, Gibson 10 and Swift 18. So that's correct. The board yes. I looked at, the board I looked at, you didn't, and I did not care for that. Right. And so there's a couple of ways this could go, Nat, is we saw in the first preseason game what I didn't want to see. There was a lot of volume going to Gibson. Of course, that's a good thing. Couple catches, I think 10 carries in the first quarter. Like they they wanted to get him going and rolling, but he got taken out in short yardage for Peyton Barber on one snap. He got taken out on both third downs for JD McKissick. And that's what kind of capped him last year. He had a monstrous year. I believe he finished RB twelve last year. But that was still with all these other guys coming in into these other roles. Now, the ceiling is, and we saw a tweet come out today that has me all horny. They, they said Scott Turner, what I've always hoped would be the comparison they draw, is he wants him to be his next Christian McCaffrey. Turner was playing, his, his father was the offensive coordinator over there in Carolina, North Turner. But Scott Turner was on the staff, I believe, as the quarterback's coach then, eventually took over for play calling duties. And we've seen how, how Christian McCaffrey gets fed. As an every down runner, as an every down receiver, 90% of the snaps. Now, I don't think that's ever going to happen to Gibson quite on that level. But, man, if he can get, you know, McKissick saw 110 targets last year, the most among running backs. Let's say he can get what I projected me for about half at 60 or so of them, where 70 go to McKissick now instead. That would be enough to really elevate this guy to the next level. And if he then does take that Christian McCaffrey leap and McKissick fades into the background, I mean, you're talking about a guy that should go top three overall. So there's definitely a ceiling here, even though what I've got him projected for might be sneaky the floor. This is a converted college receiver after all. So certainly he can run routes. And we had Grant Paulson on another podcast I'll be dropping this week. Uh, great Grant Paulson. I think you interviewed with me a couple of years ago. Uh, yeah, I've done Remember one Grant? or two Paulson. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a, talking he's, to us in his car. Exactly. Yep. He was doing that again this time. Uh, and he was awesome. And he was saying the way that Gibson's looking as a pass protector, running his routes out of the backfield, it, he was he was kind of cautioning people like, why is he not playing as a, you know, he was a receiver. Why is he not the pass catching back? He's like, people don't realize how much different playing the position from the backfield is as a receiver than it is playing out wide, especially in terms of the protection schemes. And so he said that he's looking 10 times better this year. He's expecting him to take a ton of McKissick's work. And that's what I'm expecting here in these projections. That's why I think as a round two running back that you can get right now, there's not a higher ceiling. I've actually moved him above Jonathan Taylor in my actual rankings here. I like him. I, I love Gibson. I like him more than Taylor too. All right. We actually seems like we agree more than I thought that yeah. we did. I'm high on him. I really am. Yeah. Um, let's talk receivers. Terry McLaurin. He's going to be the wide receiver one by all accounts. 91 catches, 1274, nine touchdowns. That's your projection for him. Curtis Samuel, 
uh, probably your wide receiver too. I would say definitely your wide receiver too. 65 for 715, six touchdowns. McLaurin, you project as your wide receiver 15. Samuel, your wide receiver 39. On the big board, uh, you go up a little with McLaurin. You've actually got him 11 on your big board. And Curtis Samuel, you actually drop significantly to wide receiver 50. Yeah, I dropped Samuel lately because he hasn't been practicing with his groin injury. Meanwhile, Diami Brown, uh, Brown and, and Adam Humphreys have been showing out in camp. So I think it could get a little ugly behind McLaurin, but I do think McLaurin is going to be that alpha. I mean, 145 targets is what I have him down for here. Yeah. That's going to be top five in the NFL, I think, if that stands. And this guy has been a monster so far in his first two years. Really surprised uh, it, it been a top 20 receiver in back-to-back seasons, despite rotating through garbage at quarterback. Now you get Ryan Fitzmagic, who's given the career-best seasons to Mike Evans and and Brandon Marshall, but also your Stevie Johnsons of the world. He loves just giving his number one a, a chance to go up and get it. And just a couple seasons ago as a rookie, Terry McLaurin led the NFL in contested catch rate. So I think this marriage is going to go beautifully. I think McLaurin's going to get the best volume both down the field, contested situations in the red zone. I think I might have to bump his touchdowns up a little bit here, Nat. At only nine, I could see him easily hitting double digits, hitting 11, 12, and I'm sure that would vault him right into that top yeah. seven, eight conversation should I do that. Yeah, it definitely would. That's a, yeah, once you get in this kind of range, if you add you know 20 points to somebody, all of a sudden like they've gone from 12 to eight or something like that, and you look at them a little differently. Yep. All right, yep. let's talk tight end to close things out. You uh, brought up Logan Thomas earlier. 72 catches for a little over 800 yards, nine touchdowns. You said it before. There's no one behind him. He's the guy. No one's nibbling at his cheese, as you would say. <laughs> and he comes in as your tight end seven, both on your projection list and the big board. Yeah, and I I just love this guy, everything about him. It, he is kind of where I draw the line at tight end. If I, I'm getting Kelsey a lot because I have him top five in my big board. So anytime I have a – a six through eight pick and he's there. I'm taking Travis Kelsey. If I miss out on him and Waller, you know, towards the top of my draft, I'll go for other than that. I like Hawkinson in the sixth round. And if I miss out on him, I better be getting Logan Thomas in round seven or eight, or else I think it just drops off. In fact, on my big board, I have Logan Thomas in a tier by himself. Like he's not quite in the Hawkinson Pitts Andrews he's, tier. He is tier four. Right it's below the Logan that. Thomas I, tier. A Logan below, Thomas tier. Below Mark Andrews, above Tyler Higby. You know, I'm not sure I don't like him more than Andrews. Honestly, you could give it me a good – I wouldn't push back on you too much if you took him over Andrews. Like, I'm not sitting here saying Andrews has to go above him. And I've, I've even thought about making that switch in my rankings a couple of times. I love him, though. A, you know, a hyper-athletic guy, ex-quarterback, has, has translated the position his first year finally being featured as a tight end. What does he go out and do but ball out? He was the tight end four last year, played all but like 2% of the snaps, was an every-down player, can do it as a blocker, could do it outside as a big weapon. First preseason game, he hauls in a nice 20-yard bomb from Fitzmagic, so he could unlock Fitzpatrick just as he could unlock the best season from McCorn. Very could easily uh, take Logan Thomas to the next level. There's a little bit more competition for targets here this year with Samuel arriving, with Deami Brown selected, with Adam Humphreys now here. There is definitely more mouths to feed, but I think there's going to be a whole lot more pie to feed them with uh, a guy like Fitzmagic doing the the work. And especially in the red zone where this guy is 6'5", good body control. Uh, He apparently has been dominating red zone drills in training camp because of that big frame. And we saw him do it last year in the NFL level already. When I expect this team to be in the red zone a whole lot more, 
I, I think this guy's going to kill it. In fact, that's also a good feather in the cap for Antonio Gibson, too. He averaged over 20 fantasy points per game in wins and averaged only 14 points per game in losses because of how game flow dependent he is. So even if his role doesn't go up that much as a receiver, the fact that they're going to be in better game script situations not only helps Logan Thomas in the red zone and the potential touchdown spike, but also Antonio Gibson at 12 already. I mean, that guy could hit 15, 20 touchdowns wow. if, if it's magic takes this offense to the levels. I think he could. Anyway, we got a few comments thanking us saying it was a good show, which we really appreciate guys. Thanks for hanging around. Thanks for watching us. Um, thanks for commenting. Like I said, this was a fun one. What division are we doing tomorrow? NFC what? Uh, either the North or the South. I don't know off the top of my head which one. I believe it's the North because I Good. wanted to give at least an extra day for if something happens with the Saints quarterback battle, then maybe we have a little more clarity before we go to the South. So I believe it's the North tomorrow. Let's do the North and uh, you know try not to change too many things before tomorrow on your list because I've done a little <laughs> bit of prep work on that. I did a little bit today. If you got to, you got to, but let me know so I don't make a fool. Of I'll, I'll keep you posted if I make any big changes to the North team uh, as, right. of, as of tomorrow. Absolutely. But guys, thank you so much for tuning in. You can, of course, find all our content at rotostreetjournal.com. We breed and feed Fantasy Wolves YouTube. We appreciate it. We're growing. We're up to, like, I think, 1,300 now subscribers, which is awesome. We'd love to get to 2K. We'd love to get to 100K obviously eventually so if you haven't already and you enjoyed this please consider supporting us and subscribing turning on the bell so you can be here and ask your questions and so that's what we do i think differently than anybody else is we're going to answer everything you ask what you need as long as you're showing up for us we'll show up for you so so please turn on those notifications know when we're there live we'll continue to do this series 1 30 p.m eastern time every single day for the next couple weeks outside of fridays so tune in for those great interviews coming up as well so you want to be subscribed also on facebook wherever you're at so appreciate that thumbs up button always helps us get out to more people you can find me too at rotor street wolf if i miss any of your questions live just hit me a dm I'm, i'm more than open to answering those as well I think that's everything. Oh, and the Fantasy Fullback Dive, of course. If you prefer <laughs> podcasts, you can find our audio at the Fantasy Fullback Dive. If you need to listen at work, you can't stream it, but you want to have some headphones in uh, for a day or two and you're, you prefer audio, Fantasy Fullback Dive was where we'll pave your path to 2021 titles. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I, of course, am the Wolf. I'm the Truth. In a world full of fantasy sheep, guys, be the Wolf. Later, Later guys. We used to have it all. Now's our curtain call So hold for the applause Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd And take our final bow Oh, it's our time to go But at least we stole the show 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 Second effort, third effort, touchdown, oh! That's pretty awesome. That's old-fashioned football right there, folks.